All right, hello everybody. Hello, hello, and welcome to the next episode of the Pacers Pod into this 2019-2020 NBA season following our Indiana Pacers. It is uh, we're a couple days before Christmas now. We're just about a third into the into the NBA season, and it's been pretty good so far. It's been pretty good so far. It's been a good year. I'd say better than expected. Um, and that's coming from, um, you know, I'm a fanboy. I was pretty optimistic about this team. Um, but they're better than I was even imagining. I thought, like, it, well, let me pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I'm not crowning the, this Pacers team, like, as good as the Lakers, even though we just beat the Lakers. Um We've got a couple nice wins. The team looks good. They play well. I'm, I've been really impressed with certain, like a lot of our players. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't like our chances chances in a series against the elite teams like Milwaukee or. So we still need to see this team tested, and uh, that's going to be right around the corner here. But that's uh, that's okay. It's okay that we're we're not because we don't have our best player. We don't have Victor Oladipo yet. And for us to even be in the conversation a little bit uh, at this point in the season without Vic back, it's like, holy shit. <laughs> this, I mean, this is looking pretty good. This is looking pretty good for, for our Pacers here. Um, it's like, damn, you know, I'm excited. I'm going to put this pin down because I hopefully I haven't been clicking it the whole time. But I just caught myself, so... Um, anyways, this this has been this has been a great season so far, and the fact that we're we're right in the mix of things, and we haven't got our best player back, it's just it's got we've, the Pacers have so much momentum. Uh, so uh, the last time I was on, it's been a while. It's been a minute since I did a, have done a, an episode, and um, uh, you know, I I do uh, I do kind of feel bad about that, but that's just some how the, how things go sometimes, you know. Uh, so the last time I did this, the Pacers were 11 and six, and now, um, and that was like right before Thanksgiving, and now we're eight, we're 19 and nine. So you know we've gone eight and three over those last 11 games, and when you look in the Eastern Conference standings, we're one game out of second place. So you got the Milwaukee Bucks um, well ahead, um, leading the pack, and then five games behind Milwaukee is numbers two, three, four, five, and six in the East. And then there's another drop-off between the Pacers, where the Pacers are right now, who are in sixth, and uh, the Nets, who are seventh. So anyways, um, that's where the Pacers stand right now. And this is, you know, said it before already, but like without Oladipo, um, being 19 and nine, granted the schedule's been a little on the easier side, but that's about to change here in the next week. Um, it's been it's been an awesome start, and so this team tons of momentum uh, coming off these quality wins. That's what's making this feel so good is is beating you know they had that really good win against uh, Utah uh, a couple weeks back, and then we just beat the Celtics at home. Um, had two stinkers in there. The game against the first game against Philly, we played Philly tough, but lost by three, and it was just like. I remember that game being really poor execution, you know, in the fourth quarter. The team just kind of crumbled at the end. 
it was at Philly, so it was like, well, at least we were in it, uh, put up a good fight, only lost by three. But that was one of those games where it's like, man, this team, we could beat Philly, but we just didn't execute down down the stretch. Um, but so so they play. I, I consider that you know like that's kind of a win. That's a good that's a good loss. Um, but then uh, you know lost a bonehead game to like Detroit again, I think. And I don't know. But the Pacers have been winning games. Have been beating teams they should be. And um, that's 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 given me a lot of confidence. That's what's making me think. Whoa. Uh, the, this team is. This team could be very special. This team could be very special. Um, it's. I've noticed. You know, the Pacers are starting to get a little bit of media attention. So um, I was like on NBA.com, and I clicked on our like top five MVP candidates. So I clicked on that, and it had like the top five players who were in the MVP running. And then underneath it, it had another section that said the next five, and then underneath that, they had like the next next five so you're basically talking like the top 15 MVP candidates and Domas Sabonis was in that third group of five people I was like damn top 15 um because I was thinking you know Sabonis is, should be he should be an all-star this year um but you know he uh well I mean I kind of lost my train of thought there oh yeah he was just you know, he was in the MVP discussion at, on this uh, NBA.com. I was like, all right, that's that's sweet. Um, one thing, another another place where I saw or heard about the Pacers in the media was uh, in the media. I sound like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I just sound silly <laughs> in the media. Uh, but on the podcast, The Mismatch, which is the one that I cherish, I, I love I love both Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. I respect both of their basketball opinions. And uh, but I remember when when the season started uh, after the Pacers were zero three, Chris Vernon, who is awesome, uh, was you know saying the Pacers were busted. And uh, and then now I just like two maybe a week or wait maybe a week two weeks ago on the podcast he apologized to to us Pacer fans. So that was good. I was glad to hear Chris say that. It's like oh yes, that's why. That's why I respect your opinion. Uh, no, not not necessarily, but uh, so that's cool. The Pacers are getting some attention. They're getting some love, and it's uh, it's it's awesome, and it's also warranted. I mean, it, beating the Lakers was a big deal. That was only the fourth time they'd lost. And uh, although you know it was weird when I was watching the game. So the the Lakers. I'm recording this uh, the day after the Lakers game, and it was so no AD which is a huge piece of this, right? And also why I'm like cautiously like, let's pump the brakes on the pace of love just a little bit. Um, but they had no AD and so it was just LeBron. And I was thinking, you know, LeBron might do something crazy with without an AD. But then I'm like looking around and it's like, they, they, they have uh, JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard who do well against the Pacers, just like all really big, freakishly athletic big men do against the Pacers, a.k.a. Uh, like Rudy Gobert, Andre Drummond, Joel Embiid. Those really big, big dudes cause havoc on this interior defense on the Pacers. Um, luckily, those two guys aren't crazy skilled, but LeBron was just throwing oops and like... Um, well, my point is, 
So that's really was like their second weapon. And then, in, I mean, the Lakers, didn't, nobody else really showed up. I mean, Danny Green, uh, they were they had like a lot of Rondo, Avery Bradley. Um, I don't know. I just wasn't really impressed. Oh, uh, Caruso, he was actually pretty nice. He had some nice plays. Um, but like, if you're LeBron, it's like, what are you playing with out here? Um, but there was a good game. And it was huge that the, that the Pacers pulled that one off. Um, so, yeah, so the, what I'm kind of, this whole thing, what I'm talking about here is just the momentum that the Pacers have. Um, you know, we've got the quality wins. We've got the, the media attention starting to come on. Um, here's the thing, the buzz around the All-Star game. When you see Sabonis' name in a top 15 list for MVP, I think it's safe to assume that he's going to be an all-star, which is a huge deal for us Pacer fans. It's like, holy shit, Sabonis is already an all-star. And it makes sense, though. Like, So Sabonis is playing. So he's obviously moved into the starting lineup this year from last year. Um, but if you remember back to last year, it was like Sabonis was super productive in the minutes that he was in the game. Um, just always around the basket, always getting putbacks. Sometimes he'd still get double-doubles off the bench, uh, which was why he was like a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Move him into a starting lineup this year. He's getting 10 more minutes a game than he did last year, and his numbers are crazy. Um, he's, eight, uh, well, like, all right, he's 18 points a game, 13 rebounds, three and a half assists. He's fourth in the league in rebounds. Um, and those are just monster numbers. But to me, it's like Savonis is way more than just those numbers. And that's really the beauty of this Pacers team, folks. It's the fact that um, we don't necessarily just have, like, one guy, like, dominating the league. It's that we have five guys, or we just have, like, a whole team of weapons. When we put all of our units together, it's like this thing that we form will smash a one team, a one dude team. <laughs> That's what I hope. And so all of our guys, I think, are more valuable than the numbers that they put up. That's that's the whole thing. It's it's all about the sacrifice, um, in my opinion. And Sabonis right now is taking advantage of Vic not being there because Sabonis is essentially our number one option. He touches. He probably has the most touches. I would guess. I mean, Warren's taking a lot of shots. Um, or, or probably equal to Sabonis, and then which has been great. Warren's been great. Uh, Brogdon's Brogdon's taking quite a bit of shots. Lamb's getting quite a bit of shots. Uh, Turner's getting you know less shots, but uh, that's just how it is. Uh, but you know, with Sabonis, to me, it's besides the numbers, it's the toughness that he brings to our team. Um, he's just physical. Uh, it's I it's. I guess maybe, you know, it's weird because I, I was just saying how the big dominant guys like Drummond and stuff dominate us, but then I'm talking about how physical Sabonis is, so it doesn't really add up there. So I don't know, maybe just Sabonis is physical against like smaller big guys, um, and then but when you put him up against a Goliath like Steven Adams or something, it's like he's got no chance at moving Steven Adams. But he's very he's very good against certain in certain matchups. Sabonis is 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 extremely efficient um, as a scorer, and so he's that's that's huge. 
Um, I think that Sabonis, um, you know, he's young. He's 23 years old. The Pacers just signed him to four-year contracts, so we got him for the next four years. He's happy. Um, I don't see him necessarily being a guy who's going to want a bigger role. I think he's going to be happy letting Oladipo and Brogdon kind of lead this, lead this team, especially, you know, through these next three to four years. And I think that's, like, when, we're t- when, when I'm thinking about the Pacers and, and um, considering, like, what's going on, I, I'm thinking of it in, like, a four-year window, which I know I've talked about on this podcast before, but that's really what I see this team as because we have so many of these players under contract for this time period. Um, it's just there's not going to be a lot of turnover. So this is our team. Um, and Sabonis is going to be a huge piece of that. But, and I think he's going to be okay just, you know, being a third man, um, be it, you know, and, and not necessarily being a featured guy and getting, you know, huge numbers like he has now. Because I would expect when Oladipo comes back, everybody's numbers are going to just come back a little bit. Like, so Sabonis averaging 18, he's probably dropping down to like 16. And then I think Warren will take a bigger hit maybe than anybody. Brogdon will probably take a couple hit. So, um, and the bench will, will take a hit too. Uh, anyways, who cares about that? Um, I guess just talking about Sabonis though, I just think he's going to be, he's going to be somebody who's going to look to not have to be the leader of the team. And, and he doesn't have to do that. We've got Brogdon. We've got Vic. Um, I love Sabonis. He's, he's lights out from, you know, mid range, but, um, the, you know, one thing, one thing you could say about him is his three point shooting is, is lacking. But the thing that I appreciate is that he keeps shooting them. And that's, that's awesome. Cause he hit one last night against the Lakers and it was awesome. It was like, Oh Yes. But I, I did look, and he's shooting like 21% on the year. But I think, you know, he's got a good, t- he's got good form. Um, he's shooting, he started this season from the free throw line way better than last year, and he's starting to fall back. But he's still, you know, like, I think he's at 77% right now from the free throw line this year. And the three-point shooting is definitely down, but he's taking more. Uh, but I like it. I think he should definitely fire away. And he's not stupid about it. Like, he... If it's, he knows it's not a great shot for us, but I think he takes it um, in rhythm uh, enough. But and I could even st- I could even stomach a little bit more three pointers from from uh, Sabonis because I think one day he'll be able to knock that shot down, and that just makes our team that much deadlier. Um, you know, and then I don't even know one other thing about like so just not so it's not all positive about Sabonis. And it, this is kind of hard to find, but and this doesn't even bother me that much, but I don't like how he's just always upset with the officials, and like, I, I he he is somebody who like I think he get he gets in foul trouble quite a bit, and like you know he's just always seems like he's pleading pleading his case. He's just always trying to change a call or um, I don't know. It, it's just like it to me. It's just. And, you know, who I'm just a dude, I'm just a dude watching this stuff. I don't know what it's like to play it, but like, it just looks, it looks bad. I think, I think it looks, I think you look stronger when you don't whine all the time because you just become the person, 
not whine, whine's a strong word, but he's just always, you know, he's always bantering with the officials, but maybe that's what some guys do. Like, maybe that's what, maybe that's what you do as a good player. And I just don't know. It just, as a product, as a product from my eyes, <laughs> could you please not? Uh, so that's, that's my, that's my biggest gripe on Sabonis. That's how much I love the guy. It's, that's such a minor thing. Um, you know, the hit, Sabonis has been awesome. Uh, and the, the other bright shining star this, of this season has been Malcolm Brogdon. And I mean, I haven't actually sat down and looked at like, okay, who who makes sense as an all-star in the East, but like Brogdon would have to be in the conversation, especially, here's here's an interesting thing. Um, so if the Pacers all of a sudden, the, if the Pacers continue to, um, what, what am I trying to say? So the next, the next couple of games are against the top teams in the East, and the East is basically six deep of people, and I don't think the Pacers are currently being mentioned as contenders. However, if if we, because we're only one game out of second place, like if the Pacers are in second place, come Christmas time, once people start watching, paying attention, um, it doesn't really matter, I guess, at the end of the day, how much attention you get. But I just think that's what's going to open people's eyes to this team is if they're it's sitting in second place in the East and um, Oladipo's not back yet. So Brogdon's a huge piece of that, and he's he's been so good. Brogdon's been so good at just um like fill it like Brogdon feels like a star. Brogdon feels like Brogdon feels like the uh, heart of the team, and you know I I just think it is going to be interesting when Oladipo comes back and how those two mix. But uh, you know. Back to Brogdon, to me, he's just, he, he shows his leadership by example. Like, he just, he, he seems always calm and collected, and, like, he, I don't know. He just, he's got an aura about him that just uh, is kind of like Leonardo-esque from Ninja Turtles. It's just kind of like, he's the dude that's just going to do it. And, like, in that Lakers game, like, he checked LeBron for a really big chunk of that game, like, he was the primary defender on LeBron. And he, for the most part, you know, did a pretty good job on LeBron. I mean, LeBron had, tw- like, he still had, like, over 20, maybe, 9 and 9. Like, still a great LeBron game, but with no AD, you know, it was uh, kind of quiet for, for LeBron's sake. Um, what else was I going to say about Brogdon? Oh yeah, and this is actually, uh, to me, probably the, um, probably the most interesting thing is that Brogdon, essentially, like, I, there's an expression in basketball. It's like he's an extension. The point guard is the extension of the coach on the floor. And um, this this is like why that expression exists is because, like, after the Lakers game. Uh, Brogdon was interviewed after the game. It was, it, was a, it was an emotional game for the Pacers because it was our best win of the season. Uh, the Pacers were down by five going into the last like uh, three minutes of the game, I believe. 
and then ended up winning by three. And Brogdon hit like a huge three. He hit a layup. Um, he was just awesome down the stretch. Beat, beat the Lakers. Huge win. Best win of the season. After the game, Brogdon's being interviewed on the sideline. And he starts talking about, you know, how cool and calm Nate McMillan was during the timeouts down the stretch and how, like, you know, they just represent him, like, like the players um, feed off of the calmness of Nate McMillan. And it's like, hmm, I could see Brogdon actually performing better under, like, really calm situations and, like, um, they executed down the stretch against a great team or a good team. And uh, I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool that Brogdon um, is recognizing Nate McMillan because whenever you're, you know, whenever like you're be- one of your better players, one of your best players, whatever Brogdon is on this team. And, and that's what it is. It's interesting with this team. It's hard to like put labels on them of like, who's the best, who's the second best, who's the third best, who's the fourth best, who's the fifth best. Like, I don't know, like how important, I mean, it's interesting. Like everybody has a unique uh, role on this team and that's, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> when I say pretty cool, it's like, uh, like a reading a book or something. Um, all right. That, I like that about Brogdon. He's good. His numbers are great too. 19 points, seven assists, four rebounds. He's, I looked this up, sixth in the league in assists. He's shooting a cool 93% from the free throw line, uh, which has been fantastic to watch. It's so great to see. You know, like, it's just so nice to, to, to know that it's going in and just to be cocky about it, to, you know, like, like you know, you don't even have to shoot it. You're just already counting the points. Um, but he's 93%, so it's, it's pretty legit. Uh, man, there's just... There, and I think I think like with Brogdon, it's uh, it's just been really fun to watch him pick his spots, like where he's you know trying to keep his trying to get other guys involved. Like earlier in the season, he talked about needing to get T.J. Warren more involved. Um, I don't I haven't like necessarily noticed this, but like Miles Turner's had a good couple of games recently, um, and I just wonder how much you attribute that to to Brogdon you know, getting guys the ball. But then I like when he's aggressive uh, with the shot. And and because it, the, the truth is, he's he kind of is our best option right now, I think, on offense. Like, Sabonis is nice in certain situations, but if you just need to, like, create off the dribble, like, give it to Brogdon. Um, he's pretty sound. Um, so he's been such a... He's been so perfect for the Pacers. I think you have to... I, have, I think you have to attribute the most... I think the success of this team, um, most of that, uh, most of that belongs because or is because of Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's carrying a lot of that uh, force, and that's awesome because, you know, he's about to get his 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 uh, death punch weapon in Victor Oladipo, because it's like Brogdon's running this team like, all right, I got Sabonis here who's going to just eat in the post. He's going to. Sabonis likes to shoot the mid-range as well. Sabonis is great in the pick and roll with Brogdon. Sabonis is like Brogdon's number one option right now, I think. Um, you know, Brogdon can always kick it out to TJ Warren. Just let TJ Warren cook up a bucket. Um, he can look for Miles spotting in the, in the corner. You know, he can, he can give it to uh, Jeremy Lamb. Let Jeremy Lamb, you know, try to create something off the dribble. Um, 
he can also penetrate himself. He can come off the screen, shoot a three. Um, but what else, you know? <laughs> what else does he do? I don't know. He's been great, though. I mean, Brogdon is, has truly been, uh, you know, he's been a blessing to this Pacers team. He just really has. Another blessing uh, of this team and a big thing that I have appreciated about this team a third way into the season is the depth of the roster. And it saddens me, honestly, to see the guys that aren't getting minutes not get minutes. Like, I wish that we could see Goga more. I wish that we could see... Actually, Goga, you know... Goga's, Goga's kind of on my shit list of, of Pacer players right now. I still love the dude, but... Um, I don't know, maybe he shouldn't really get any more minutes, although we need him to be good. Um, I don't know, guys like Edmund Sumner, um, even to some degree TJ Leaf, like I wouldn't, I'd like to see TJ Leaf play a little bit. Um, I, I wasn't really, ne I wasn't necessarily ready to just give up on TJ Leaf. Um, I, I, I'd like to see a little bit of uh, Alizé Johnson too, but it's like you just, we just don't, when you got, um, McDermott and Holiday and McConnell and you know we got so much depth uh, coming off that bench. Guys don't get to play, um, but that's not the thing that excites me. The thing that excites me is excites me is the players who are playing and how good that they've been. And T.J. McConnell, I probably talk about him on every every time I turn this mic on, but he has been, um, I, he he's just been so so exciting for me to watch on this team like i love the energy that tj brings and you know the thing about him in this lakers game i noticed this that he he was talking trash with lebron you know like tj mcconnell's like little little mighty mouse out there and he's just fiery and he's just like the ultra competitor and you know it, i didn't i don't know how much it how much trash talk it was but it was just the, the way that TJ carries himself on the court, especially in this game that was, like, hyped. The Lakers game felt like a playoff game. Um, the crowd was into it. There were a ton of Lakers fans there, a ton of Pacers fans there. It was, like, back and forth. And, uh, you know, McConnell was just so good. He had two of those um, steals in that game where I think one, I know for sure one was off of Dwight Howard. Where the Lakers just, you know, la, la, uh, just lazadaisically, is that a word? Lazadaisically? Lazadaisically tossed the inbounds pass into the point guard, and McConnell just sneaks around, picks it off. Uh, he did that twice in this game, which I love that play. Um, I don't know. He's just, he, he seems to be somebody, he seems to be like a leader on the team. And it was, I, I questioned it like when, Depth, depth chart wise, you're like, man, we already got Aaron Holiday. Um, but after seeing McConnell and just having him as a teammate on this team, and I think McConnell's going to be a guy who's like, he's still going to be a positive on this team if he doesn't play a single minute. Um, I think he's someone who's like, all right, I appreciate that I can contribute, but he's been so good that it's like, you got to play him. And, and that's actually why Sumner's probably not getting any minutes. Um, but he just seems like a leader on the team. Super, super, super pleased with TJ McConnell. 
He's uh he's turning into uh he's turning one of my favorite players. And he's so crafty too. Like damn, like he gets into the paint and um gets those little mid-range jumpers. Um he's, he, I just love it. He picks people up and I think he's rubbing off on Aaron Holiday too. I've noticed Aaron seems a little bit more in your face on the defensive end and uh I I I was I noticed it uh in that Lakers game where they were McConnell and Holiday, so they've been getting a lot of minutes together, and they were pl- they were uh, doing a full court press, just those two pressing the pressing the back court of the other team. Um, Aaron's been spectacular. Uh, he, he, dude, he can score. Um, he can drive. Uh, he plays. He's quick. Uh, he can shoot. He's springy. Uh, man, Aaron Holiday is—he is pretty good. He is pretty good. Um, he's going to be an interesting piece for the Pacers um, in this next—in that window I was talking about in the next four years. You know, uh, he might be somebody like—I don't know. I just have a feeling he's going to need more minutes, and I don't know if he is going to be. Um, you know who's who? How how do you get Aaron Holiday more minutes when you got Brogdon and Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb, T.J. Warren? You know, um, so I don't know. Another guy who might have to sacrifice for this team. Um, other dude coming off the bench, Doug McDermott, just fucking awesome. Dougie Book Buckets is. Um, He's just been killing it, man. He's just been straight killing it. He's got that play where he comes off the top, comes up, comes up off the um, uh, the top of the arc, and coming off of the screen. It's like the Pacers, whoever's passing it to McDermott, lets it lets the life lets the ball fly as McDermott's coming off that screen, and he just catches it in motion, jump, turns, jumps, squares, shoots. It swishes it. I mean, he shoots like. Bullets. Um, McDermott is fun to watch shoot, uh, and he's just been knocking him down. He's, I bet he's just been, you know, he's. It feels like he's just making like one more three a game than he did last year. Like, and he's also just been, you know, more aggressive, and uh, that's he's just been awesome. McDermott's been great, and I'm glad that you know the Pacers didn't do anything silly like trade him away after a disappointing first year. Like last year's team. That's the thing, though. This is a brand new team. McDermott's got a new role, um, similar role actually, but just you know, he's just being more aggressive with it, and uh, he's been playing great. It's like, well, McDermott needs to play. You know, he needs to play. And then another guy, Justin Holiday, has been excellent coming off the bench. He's was a great pickup, and that with these veterans and the starters that we have. I mean, and plus you got, you know, I just feel like this team could, could, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Justin Holiday, can he play in the NBA Finals? What about TJ McConnell? What about Doug McDermott? Are these guys like that level of role players? Can they play minute? I mean, maybe not NBA Finals, because I know in the Finals, um, it, it, the, the, uh, the number of players who play shrinks drastically, maybe to like seven. Um, so maybe not necessarily those two particularly, but 
you know, can they play in the Eastern Conference Finals? Can they contribute in the playoffs? I think so. I think that I think so, and I think that they've got uh, cohesiveness in that backcourt now, or not in the backcourt, but yeah, as a bench unit, that is pretty sweet. And so it'll be interesting though when Oladipo comes back. You throw Lamb into that mix. What does that do to the bench? So, um, when when Oladipo comes back, you know it's going to be interesting. Uh, and that's actually what I uh, want to talk to want to talk about next. But like, I think with all the optimism that I've had so far in this in this episode, uh, I just you know essentially just talked about all the good things I like about this team at this point in the season. Definitely think that um, I'm I'm pumping the brakes as uh, you know because it's it's it looks so it looks so good right now coming off that Lakers win and the Celtics win and four game win streak and uh, it 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 almost feels like we're never going to lose again. Um, We have this stretch ahead, you know, between now and New Year's Eve, so that's two weeks essentially where we play the Raptors. The Heat, the Bucks, and the 76ers um, over this next two weeks. So I am going to cautiously just put a pause on all that positivity that I have on this team and look at that again in two weeks after we play these um, upper echelon Eastern Conference teams. Let's see how we fare. Let's see how we stack up against the best. Um, but hey, the record is the record. We're only a game out of second place. We don't have our best player yet. So I'd, would, I, find me another team in a better situation. I mean, I, in, the, in the Eastern Conference, I guess. That's actually, I mean, in the Eastern Conference, you could probably make a case that maybe the Pacers and the Bucks, you know, we, we, we'd have to, we got to do a better job against the Bucks. But so that's, you know, the Bucks would still be the favorite. But like, I don't know. I mean, the Pacers have. They've got a good story to tell. Um, okay, so here's a couple questions I have. With so much depth, how can we keep this team happy? Everybody on the team happy? Or at least satisfied with their role for this season? Um, do, does, do people know what their role is for this season? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, and I, I'm going to start it with Miles Turner. So on my last episode, I, I mentioned, you know, I'm wor- I was a little concerned about Miles. He'd been he'd been off um, at that point in the season. Granted, that was almost a month ago. Um, it was in- it was interesting that he t- took his uh, he took his social media like accounts and stuff away uh, pretty shortly after uh, that point and. He seems to be doing better now, but I don't know if you can attribute that to the social media or if you could attribute that to the fact that over the last four games, he's been over double figures in scoring. He had a game where he had five blocks, um, which he's fourth in the league, granted, in in blocks. Um, so is it just is it just the fact that he's playing well now? Is that why maybe Miles is a little happier and ultimately, it's like, it's not about players being happy, I guess. It's just like, or I don't know what ultimately is about. I just think Turner's the one person on this team that I feel nervous about um, 
long-term. And I just wonder if Turner wants to be, have, wants to have a bigger role on the team. It, you know, like maybe Turner, because he's, when you look at Turner this year, and we, ha- we don't even have Oladipo back yet, you know, Oladipo's going to need the ball too. Uh, Turner's down in, in his stats, like his points are down, his rebounds are down. His blocks are just a hair down from last year, so they're still elite level blocks. And and th- and that's the best thing that he does for this team is is protect the paint. Um, and there's a ton, there's so much value in that, especially for this team. Like that's why, like, because on one hand I'm like, all right, maybe we could trade Turner. Um, maybe we could trade Turner, but let's like, what would we get back in return? It's like, well, like, it's if we were to trade Turner, the one thing that we would have to address is like, we need somebody to protect the protect the rim, because that's Sabonis's. That's not Sabonis's forte. Um, so it's like I I need we need Turner we need Turner and and we need the happy Turner we want Turner we need Turner to feel blessed that he's part of this team that has a chance. It has a chance, they have a chance to, this year, this year, play for play in the Eastern Conference Finals, potentially, uh, you know, make it to the NBA Finals, it's, it, at least, at least, you know, maybe win a playoff series to start with. That would be, I still think that would be such a, that would be a win for this team this year. Um, but we'll see what, like, if Oladipo comes into the mix and we get drastically better, then NBA Finals appearance, I think, would be a pop, would be the goal. Um, if we tread, you know, so I think there's there's so much writing on what, what happens when Oladipo comes back. Um, so that's what I think about that. Uh, but I think I think Miles, I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be good here. Um, at least that's you know, I mean, I hope so. Sabonis and him seem to get along. Uh, like I was watching something and Sabonis said, you know, me and Miles just want to make each other better. Like they don't, he, he was saying how he, they don't care who gets the scoring and stuff, but it's like, well, you know, you're the one getting 18 miles is getting 11, but I, I'm not, that sounded like I was throwing shade, but I'm not, it was just, I was being cynical. Um, other questions, other questions. How good, <clears throat> how good are TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb? Because to this point, I've been so happy with these two guys. I, I can't believe how good of a scorer TJ Warren is. He goes on these spurts, he'll score like eight points in three minutes, and he does it like twice a game, and then you look up and it's like, oh, TJ Warren had 22. It's like, what? Um, he's been so good. Jeremy Lamb has been overall awesome. He's had some low points in my opinion, but um, overall, I've been super impressed with Jeremy Lamb. He's lost so long. He he rebounds the ball so well. He scores the ball really well. Um, for both TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, it's like, come on, guys. I, I wish they'd shoot that three a little bit better. Um, but the Pacers are winning. They're contributing huge. And, you know, you look at those two guys. And we've got them under contract for the next couple of years. And those both both of these two guys, this is the first time that they're in like an on an NBA team that's gonna be competitive in the playoffs. And 
it's they're both entering their prime years of of being an NBA player. I think both TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb are 26 and 26 or 27 years old. So we got him here for 26, 27 through 30. It's like that is so perfect. Um, it lines up with Brogdon and Oladipo, who are right in that same time frame, 26, 27. You got the young guys, Turner and Sabonis, 23. You know, it's like, damn, this team, three to four years, this this could be good. So that that's a huge question for me. It's like, how good are Warren and Lamb going to be? Um, the Lakers game wasn't a good example because, you know, Lamb went out with some sort of injury, but he wasn't playing. He was not playing well. Um, I think he was scoreless in the first half and uh, TJ Warren was okay, but didn't, didn't really make that much of an impact on the game. Uh, just, you know, without rewatching the game or really looking at the box score, I just don't remember Warren having quite as much of an impact. He did a little bit though. Um, so it's like, how do those guys do against elite teams? Cause that's, that's where we're ultimately going to have to judge their value to the team. It, because if it gets, if it's one of those things where we get into the playoffs and, you know, shots go missing. Um, we're a different looking team. But if if we get into the playoffs and TJ Warren, you know, is continuing to shoot over 50% from the field, you know, getting 14, 16 points a game, Jeremy Lamb's getting 14, 16 points a game. Like, now we're in business. Um, okay. I also want to know when if Edmund Sumner is ever going to get back into the rotation. I loved Edmund Sumner to start the season. He had an injury, unfortunately. I know he only, I think he only played three games, but it's like, oh, I just remember being so excited about him. I just look at Sumner's frame being like 6'5 and long arms and quick. I just loved him in the backcourt uh, uh, for this Pacers team. So I just wonder if he's going to get any more minutes this year. I would assume he will be, but just maybe not make the rotation this year. I think McConnell's probably got that secured, at least for the time being. Um, what else do I want to hit on here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest question is, what does this team look like when Oladipo comes back? And it's just perfect timing. Um, I have my first listener question. Uh, this person sent me a message. Uh, this listener sent me a message. Um, and I'm going to read it. And then I, it goes exactly with thoughts on Oladipo. So, hi, Brian. Longtime listener, first writer, first time writer here. Seems like Oladipo will be back in action pretty soon. Can you talk a little bit more about how you think the chemistry between him and Brogdon will be and how they'll divide playing time or, you know, their roles or how their roles will intersect? Do you think there will be any resistance or unhappiness from Oladipo uh, when he has to share the team leadership role with Brogdon? Or do you anticipate them meshing well? LRH and Fletcher Place. Uh, thank you for the question. Thank you very much for the question. Um, sounds like a hottie. I'm just going to guess, just based off of uh, the location there. Fletcher Place, heard that's a booming spot. Um, so we probably got hotties, uh, hotties, trying to get, hotties trying to get on the podcast. So great question, though. And 
here we go. Like this, this is a multi multi question. So let me get. I'm going to have to reread this again. Um, okay, so okay, it seems Oladipo will be back in pretty soon. Okay, so I did do Oladipo. Here's the thing with Oladipo. He's been practicing with the Mad Ants. I've seen videos of him. Um, you know, dunking, cutting, looking pretty, looking pretty good. Um, but there's still no timetable on Oladipo's return. I, you know, that's the thing about this injury. Um, it happened, you know, I think maybe last January. And there never has been a timetable as to, like, there's never been a date. Like, I think we all assumed maybe it'd be like, oh, maybe a little bit sooner than a year, which would put it kind of in this December timeframe. I thought optimistically, oh, I remember like at, going into the season, it was like Oladipo was talking about the mind and uh, like how, you know, he can overcome these things. And Turner was saying, you know, I don't know. I remember something, he said something that made it sound like Oladipo was going to be back soon. So it's like, it, we, there's just, we just have never known. And um, I just, so I just looked it up to see what the latest news was. And the latest news is there is no timetable. Um, they, they don't know. They don't know when he's going to be back yet. Um, everything else, I guess, would be like speculation. But um, at this point, and, and you know, when I did that search, I also saw a little article like uh, or a headline that was like Paul George tells Victor Oladipo to only come back on his terms or something. And it's like, okay. First of all, I don't know who wrote the article or like, I don't know if it's true or anything, but if it is true, because it's like, all right, that's cool. Like we, that doesn't necessarily mean that Oladipo is like not happy as a pacer um, because he wants to not come back as soon as maybe the pacers medical team think that he should come back. So like maybe the doctor's like, yeah, he should be ready you know, maybe January, but it's like Old Depot's like, nah, I'm not ready yet. It's like, all right, that's fine. Like, we want him to come back when he's ready. And even if it's not this season, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, because we're looking at this team as like, and I know you don't want to look too far ahead, but like, if you just think about three to four years, it's like, all right, this team, like, we need Old Depot back to all NBA Oladipo in order to win an NBA championship. Like we having, having like a lot of borderline all-stars, even like bottom tier type all-stars is a nice team, but like Atlanta Hawks never won the Atlanta Hawks never won an NBA championship. It's like, cause they couldn't get past LeBron and like the Pacers, it's like, we're going to need some sort of alpha, type person on this team and you know because we got to get through Giannis we got to get through Embiid and Simmons you got Jimmy Butler to deal with the Celtics Siakam and the Raptors I mean you know and then just wait till next year when you got KD and Kyrie on the same team if those guys ever play together um all right so I certainly went off on a tangent there, but Vic's got no timetable. In my opinion, you keep him rested. Um, okay, back to the question. So, 
Can you talk a little bit more about how you think the chemistry between him and Brogdon will be? Okay. And then also, okay. And then how they, uh, like how their roles will intersect and stuff. Okay. So I think this is going to be, this is super interesting. Um, Best case scenario, they're like the yin and yang. Yin and yang. They complete each other. It's like the perfect mix of the flashiness of Oladipo, um, but yet the substance and the efficiency of like Malcolm Brogdon. It's like business in the front, party in the back. I mean, they just could complete each other and, and make this backcourt that was just so awesome. But I could also see potentially just look, I'm just paranoid, right? I'm always, I just, I'm paranoid to some degree. Um, but they could be like oil and water. As, as for me, as someone who doesn't know the people individually, just watching the TV, just all I do is I watch, watch TV. So it's like, I don't know these people. So it's silly to even talk about them and like what they want and how they get along. But it's like, you know, why the fuck not? I want to. Um, they could be like oil and water. And, and here's, here's, this is, this is where I'm coming from. So like last night, the Lakers game, emotional game, Brogdon heroics wins the game. Um, given his post-game press conference, uh, or post-game interview, so he's still on the court, um, and he's being serious. He's, I, oh, I mentioned it earlier, you know, he's talking about Nate McMillan, talking about how, you know, this team is, you know, doing all these great things, and then Oladipo's kind of, like, in the background looking at the camera, and then, like, Jeremiah Johnson notices Oladipo, and so he like looks at Oladipo and he's like, oh, Victor. And, and so like he kind of incorporates Victor into the conversation real quickly by saying like, oh, Victor's here. Victor, you know, what did you think of the game? And I forget exactly what Oladipo said, but it was something like, yeah, yeah. Like just kind of like not, not, on, not serious, not answering, the, not taking the question serious, just kind of like getting out of the screen. Um, but it's just like, I don't know. It's like, and then it's, the interview is kind of like over. And I just thought that, and he's, that's not the first time he's done that. I think I, I've seen him do it at least one other time this year with Brogdon. And I don't know, to me, it's like, Ooh, how does Brogdon feel, feel about that? Not like, I just feel like Brogdon, you know, being so serious, um, potentially that could butt up against Oladipo's, carefreeness and and you know what that's what makes Oladipo so lovable too it's like I'm not knocking Oladipo for doing what he's doing even though I do think it's I I don't like the interrupting of the the interview just to like get your face on the camera but I do I do love Oladipo's carefreeness you know um but that's that is kind of that is actually the, the fear, though. That, that would be the oil and water analogy rather than the, the yin and yang. Maybe they, don't, maybe they don't get along at all. And I don't know, though. I have a really hard time seeing that happening because I think that, you know, 
Brogdon's going to be unselfish. I don't think Oladipo is necessarily this prima donna, um, prima donna player that, unfortunately, I kind of feel like I've been, those are the vibes I've been getting from him lately. And that's probably all on me. Um, I'm the hater. So, but I love Oladipo and this no hard feelings. Just calling it out for how I, how I feel. Um, so that's, that would, I guess that would be the chemistry piece. And then on the court, this is where it gets, this is actually where it matters. This is where I should, you know, this is where it matters. It matters what happens on the court. That's, that's what we're here to do. It's win basketball games. Um, we don't have to be best friends. So when it comes to on the basketball court, I think these two guys could be easily a top five backcourt in the NBA. I mean, you got Steph and Clay and, and, and Golden State, Russ, Harden, Houston, you know, uh, McCollum and Lillard and Portland. I mean, there's some other good backcourts, but I think that's that Brogdon Oladipo backcourt would be elite. And when you're looking at the next three to four window, next three to four years, it's like, I like our chances. I like, I like having these younger guys um, represent the Pacers here. Um, and, and on the court, it's like potential to be amazing defense. Perimeter defense is, it would be amazing. I mean, Brogdon was guarding LeBron the other day. Like he's a really good defender and they could switch off guarding like a, you know, um, I don't know, like a, like a quick guard, like Kimball Walker. It's like Brogdon wouldn't have to guard him the whole game. Like all the book could guard him sometimes. Um, and they would just be so versatile being able to switch, switch positions, um, playmaking ability on the offensive end. Both of these guys can get their own shot and also create shots for their teammates. Shot-making ability. I mean, Brogdon's been making clutch shots this year so far. Obviously, that's that's what Oladipo does is close games. He's a fourth-quarter specialist. Um, they're both above-average rebounders. And then just the leadership piece. And it's interesting, you know, and, and probably completely off base, like that whole thing I was just doing about Oladipo and like my concerns. Um, it's like, obviously, you know, we want him to be the leader of this team uh, for the next four years. But I, I always used to, I, before we even had Brogdon, when I was talking about the Pacers from last era's team, that Oladipo was the, the, the main person on. It was like, can Oladipo win a title being the best player and the tributes of him that I highlighted the most would be like, you know, his leadership ability. Um, and so I don't know why I'm questioning it now. Um, it's pretty silly, but you, so I think, I think that he is a great leader and Brogdon is a great leader and, you know, probably if they're great enough leaders, there's nothing better to have. You know, rather than having one, have two. And I think it'll be great for the team. So on the court, the leadership. And um, I think with Brogdon's ability to just be uh, kind of unselfish and take the back seat, I think, you know, for him, winning is the number one thing. And I think if he scored, you know, I think if, if Brogdon scored 10 points a game, he'd be okay with that. 
I think he would be okay with that. Pacers are winning. Um, that's how good I think the I think the backcourt could be. So, uh, let's see. What else was the the question here? Do you think there will be any resistance or unhappiness from Oladipo when he has to share the team leadership role with Brogdon? Or do you anticipate them meshing, meshing well? Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a great question. Like, that's... I don't know. I mean, I hope... You know, that's, that's basically what I... I guess I just kind of said. I hope that... Uh, I hope that they, they mesh well. I hope Oladipo and Brogdon find a big enough platform to both feel... Um, ultimately valued the most and, and have the best, the most impact. So, yeah, so that was good. That was a good question. Thank you for the question. Um, I think that's it. That's it. It's been, it's been a good run, uh, so far for this season. I do think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick. Um, back to, to Victor and uh, uh, Brogdon. So looking ahead three to four years, here's what I think could be. I think um, Vic could get back to like an all NBA status and Brogdon may never move up into that all-star level player, even though I think he's shown this year he's fully capable of being an all-star. He's got plenty, he's got plenty of, he's an all-star level player, but Maybe with Vic being an all NBA type player, Brogdon's stats don't look like an all star. And maybe he doesn't make all stars, but he plays like one. Um, but Brogdon, I think, would be, you know, very well respected around the league, even without making an all star team. Uh, the, I, that's what I see these two players two top, two top guards um, and leading this team. So, all right. Up next, I mentioned, you know, we got the Bucks, the Raptors, the Heat, Philly, all this before we hit the new year. Uh, Pacers only a game out of second. It's, uh, it's looking good, you know? It's looking good. So that is going to be it for today's show. And a Merry Christmas to all the listeners. And... Thanks for checking out the pod. That's all I have. Take care.